0: ...degradation of facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is.
1: Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Do Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere, every Monday at 4pm on your Community Radio 3CR.
2: We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution.
1: Hello and welcome to the Doin' Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. First up on the show we're going to be speaking with Sam Lee who is the solicitor heading up the Police Accountability Practice at Redfern Legal Centre and we'll be speaking with her shortly. Next up we'll be speaking with Meg who is an Aboriginal activist, an, an activist for Aboriginal rights rather and we're going to be speaking with her about a group that she's in that is trying to stop the expansion of women's prisons and trying to stop Serco, who is a private company um, that's quite lethal, in fact, um, trying to stop Serco from starting up those prisons. Thirdly, we'll also be speaking with Lucy Honan from the Refugee Action Collective, and we'll be speaking with her about a very important meeting to try to bring the asylum seekers and refugees home. And looking at that, um, at those specifics um, later on in the show. So, um, just before we we speak to Sam, just wanted to give listeners, <clears throat> excuse me, a very quick intro. So, just a quote from the media release of the Redfern Legal Centre: a call to end pre sorry, predictive police targeting. Children as young as 10, Redfern Legal Centre is calling for an end to a New South Wales policing practice known as a Suspect Targeting Management Plan. A hidden blacklist used by police to target children as young as 10. The call comes after the Director of Bureau of Crime Statistics, Mr Don Weatherburn, has publicly identified the the, the STMP practice as a reason for the dramatic jump in the increase of the New South Wales prison population to almost 14,000 this year from less than 10,000 in 2012. Mr Weatherburn has told the New York Times in an article titled... For these Australian prisoners, a 14-month wait without being sentenced, that aggressive policing like the STMP is a reason for this increase. Sam Lee, solicitor heading up the police accountability practice at Redfern Legal Centre, states, the STMP sets young people up for failure, branding them with a potential criminal identity and plunging them into a toxic cycle of ongoing police interactions. And I wanted to actually speak about that in the lead-up to the interview, and I will actually clarify with Sam um, about some of that terminology and and unpack and demystify this issue. Hello, Sam. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the program. Lovely to have you. (laughs) Yeah. Sam, this is Marissa, and um, I'll be taking you through the interview. Great to have you on the program.
2: Thanks very much.
1: So, Sam, I'm wondering if you could just um, introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about your work and then perhaps talk to listeners about what's been going on with this police tr- practice. What's what's going on here?
2: Sure. So I head up what's called the Police Accountability Practice at Redfern Legal, which is in New South Wales. It's a statewide service and it takes in a whole gamut of different issues, from um, police searches uh, to random breath testers to mobile phone searches to fines, various issues that come in through the practice. And our aim is to help people sort through what may be an abuse of power and to give them the the means to complain or to look at some tortious action if required.
1: Sounds familiar, police complaints, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So in 2017, I believe that, that a report um, was released by Vicky Sentis and indeed we've interviewed her on our show mm-hmm. and, and I believe she's the convener of the RLC Police Powers Clinic. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that report?
2: Yeah, so Vicky has done a lot of work into the Suspect Targeting Management Plan and the report looks in depth at how this management plan is utilised by police. Uh, it also looks at the fact that it targeted particular groups in society. It found that around 50% of those on the what we call the blacklist are Aboriginal um, there's been around 1,800 on the STMP over the past two years and about 20% of those on that blacklist have been children. So our particular concern is that the what we call the STMP uh, targets children, what we know now as being as young as nine, Um, and what I mean by target is that police identify, say, a young person as being a potential uh, criminal in the future um, or at risk of becoming a a criminal in the future, and so the police uh, make continual interactions or monitor that person on the basis that they will prevent crime. Yeah, Obviously the alarming problem with that is that these young people haven't even committed a crime um, before they're put on the blacklist and will be entrenched into the criminal justice system unnecessarily and will have detrimental impact on their lives.
1: So Aboriginal people have been over-incarcerated now um, for many years. This targeting sounds to me like it's 1788 all over again. You know how you had the... The convicts, you know, coming over just for stealing a loaf of bread.
2: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, an incredible look in in regards to policing in New South Wales. And as you said, it goes back to the bad old days. Um, particularly in relation to Aboriginal people, you'd think that we'd moved forward uh, since that time. But these particular types of programs entrench people. Or in this case, young people into a criminal uh, justice system and makes it very difficult once they're in there to get out of there.
1: Sam, could you just, it's interesting, um, you were commenting before about the fact that the children haven't even committed a crime and they're on this blacklist. How do they actually get onto it in the first place? How are they picked?
2: That's a good question, and uh, I know Vicky has tried to ascertain that answer. Uh, it's a lot of issues around the lack of transparency of this program, and it's something that Redfern Legal has been calling for, is that we want the program to be transparent. We'd like those who are on the blacklist to be told that they're on the blacklist Mm -hmm. and to be told why they're on the blacklist, and also to be given the option to be taken off it. At the moment, everything is fairly secret and behind closed doors. uh, And for that reason in particular, it's it's a very hard program to challenge um, and for persons on it to try and get off it.
1: Absolutely. It sounds, and I don't want to make assumptions here, but it sounds like it's, it it could actually leave things open for racial profiling.
2: No doubt about it, and that's a major concern for us here at Redfern Legal. I mean, no one wants young people going out committing crime, of course, and we all want young people to be nurtured and given the opportunities that they deserve and to make sure that uh, they have the support they need in the community. This type of program, as far as um, any research has done it, has shown is that it does not prevent crime. And what we're calling for is that if we want young people to be prevented from committing crime, then we want programs that have been well-researched and well-founded to be uh, have a good outcome for young people in the community program has found not to be uh, producing the outcome of reducing crime and has found to have detrimental impact on those who are on it.
1: And not to mention adding to the prison population and also about police investigating police.
2: All those issues, yes, come into the light in regards to this program. I mean, it's appalling that the number of young people young people and adults in custody, the majority still being of Aboriginal descent. Uh, in 2018, it's a shameful figure. And these types of programs, the aggressive type of policing will only mean that that type of statistic will continue on to the future.
1: Indeed, it's a national disgrace, Sam. And, and I want to commend um, you, you know the, the Redfern Legal Centre and keep up the good work.
2: Thank you and thank you for your support.
1: That's great. Any final comments you wanted to make, Sam?
2: Look, everyone has a right to uh, go out there in society and have the support and the nurturing to make the most of their life and this type of program detracts from that whole value in society.
1: Have they already put it in?
2: It's already been in place for a number of years now.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how, you know, the mainstream media doesn't talk about this stuff, does it? It's, uh, no, but
2: that's right. That's great that you're out there trying to spread the word.
1: Well, that's why people need to listen to the Do and Time show and support 3CR because we actually do a lot of work that is not apparent in the mainstream media and we have, have transparency. So let's call on the New South Wales Police Minister, the Honourable Troy Grant... MP to put an end to this very dangerous practice, isn't it, Sam?
2: That's right, we fully support that. Thank you for your time. Thanks a
1: lot. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. And that was Sam Lee from the Redfern Legal Centre. And she heads the the police accountability practice at the centre. And we were speaking to her about a very dangerous practice that's already been in place for children as young as 10. And we talked a lot about racial profiling and uh, the possible abuse of police powers. It's approximately 4.11 and we're going to be interviewing Meg shortly, Aboriginal activist, and talking to her about um, women's prisons and the fact that Queensland want to build new prisons. But in the meantime, I'm actually going to be um, putting on some, some music. Uh, and this song is called... Life is Worth Living by Art. And you're back with the Ch- doing Time show and we'll be speaking with Meg shortly, who's an Aboriginal activist and she'll be introducing herself formally in, formally in a minute. But before I do that, just wanted to give a very quick intro. Meg is from Nogaton Women's Prison and it's a group based in Meanjin in Queensland working towards stopping the Queensland government from expanding the prison industry, and allowing CERCO to run its first women's prison in the world. So we'll be talking to her about the aims and objectives of the group and having a look at um, her her recent arrest as well. Hello, Meg. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you going? Great to have you. So, yeah, Meg, I'm wondering if you could just formally give yourself a little bit of a brief introduction and talk a little bit about the group and, and what's been happening.
3: Yeah, um, my name's Meg Rutterhand. i um, Akuri from down Victoria originally, um, Jadwa Jali, Jadwa um from West Victoria. Awesome. Um, but I've been in Brisbane about two years now. Yep. Um, yeah, and part of worries of the Aboriginal Resistance and um, just started this, we've kind of just started this new group um, called No Gatin Women's Prison. Um, yeah, so just kind of started that group up. Recently, last few weeks.
1: Wow. And and you're calling on the Queensland Government to have a moratorium on prison expansion in Queensland. Is that right?
3: Yeah, that's one of the things we're asking for. What else? Um, well, we don't really think um, there's any need to to move women um, from Brisbane Women's to Gatton because um, there's, there's like over, well, we estimate about 40% of the women at Brisbane Women's on remand, um, so we're calling on the government to invest more in the Supreme Court bail programs that are running um, to get eligible women out on bail. Um, yeah. yeah, and we're also opposing Serco running that that prison. Um, Absolutely, one the men or the women.
1: Yeah. Yep. They've already made yeah. a mess of all the asylum seeker prisons.
3: Yeah, massive. Um, yeah, it's, it's horrible
1: what they've done there. Despicable. And Yarlswood,
3: I don't know if you saw those demonstrations as well. Which one,
1: sorry? Um, Yarlswood. Oh yeah, yeah. I it's think. A, I've, yep.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Meg, so, it's, got it's a pretty, pretty bad crazy. Track record. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, and you know I'm not, I'm sure you know this already, but Aboriginal women, for instance, have been the very highest statistic. Um, sorry, I hate to use that word but it's true isn't it that you know that they have been over incarcerated incarcerated. and there's no diversionary programs not to mention correct me if I'm wrong here um, culturally appropriate programs and um, aboriginal related women's services
3: yeah there's a real lack we see it up here especially in terms of rehab there's a massive lack of rehab facilities but also it's just that like the, the racialised policing that happens and the disparity in sentences for for um like for white people and for black fellows, not just not just Aboriginals. Like yeah. the the prisons up here are pla- packed with black bodies. Like I think it's thirty six percent Aboriginal women, maybe a bit higher um in Brisbane women's, but there's also a lot of other women of colour there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty gross. And and what happened to you Meg? You, you there was a, you went there was a protest with the group?
3: Um yeah, there was a bit of a direct action. So they've been transferring um women daily from Gatton and from Townsville um to uh, sorry, from Brisbane Women's and Townsville to Gatton. Um so we blocked one of the transfer vans from leaving the prison. Um out at Gatton. So yeah, just to try and um, get the issue some media because I don't think people realise what was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was four of us, three um, Aboriginal people and one ally. Um, yeah, locked, locked on, locked to each other, and formed a chain across the road and held it up for about I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't the whole day. Like it was only I think about three hours in the end. They ended up just dragging us off the road. Yeah.
1: Mm. And what what were you charged with?
3: Um, just contravening a police direction. Yeah.
1: Ha- have they organised they a court case? charge us
3: with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's on the 24th, I think, or the 23rd, whatever and- the Monday is.
1: And where is the court case, Meg, being held in case people want to come and support?
3: Um, It'll be at the Gatton Courthouse. Okay. Yeah, first thing in the morning, yeah yeah well, so, yeah well, four of us got charged they were going to charge us with um obstruct police, but um the yeah, they ended up just charging us with one So
1: that was pretty good well, that's good but but you know, we can't I think you made a very valid point before that there's so much over policing isn't there of Aboriginal people um and really, mm-hmm. in terms of the women inside, even when they get out, what sort of services do they do they actually have? You know, one of the things that we do on this show... Um, it, yeah, go on.
3: The housing. The housing is the biggest issue. Yep. Um, because I've also been doing work um, with criminalised women for a while. Yep. Um, but now I'm just kind of focusing on the activism element. But, like, one of the biggest issues we had was finding appropriate housing for women mm. um, and also child safety stuff, it's like... It's absolutely appalling up here. I suppose it's appalling everywhere, but, yeah. Um, yeah, the way that that just destroys women's souls, you know, having their children removed when they're going to oh, prison or
1: yeah after getting out. Yeah, they remove the children, yeah. don't they, and then don't do anything any re- reunification.
3: Oh, reunification is a very, very long process if it ever happens, yeah. yeah. Um, we see a lot of women that you know they've just got to jump through all these unattainable hoops to get their children back and they pretty make pretty much make it impossible
1: I was uh, about to say that um yeah, which
2: is really sad
1: Absolutely I was about to say too Meg that before um one of the things we do on this show is is look at all that is is to have, have look at women in prison and and because to me there's Well, not just to me you know in in women's prisons, there are less services than men.
3: Yeah. Well, one of our concerns is that Gatton is like a good hour and a half's drive without traffic on uh, um, from Brisbane. So it's good. I don't know what services are going to be operating in there, um, but it's a long way from, like, the, I assume there'll be less than, than Waco the Brisbane women's, yeah. Um that's yeah, which is alarming. It's also, there's no public transport for, for families to go out and, and visit. Um, and I really doubt child safety will have the resources to take kids out there on visitation, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there.
1: Child unsafety, you mean?
3: <laughs> yeah, some people call them the Department of Child Stealers.
1: yeah. Stolen Generation, number two. It's approximately 4.25 and you're listening to an interview with Meg, Aboriginal activist in Queensland. We've only got a couple of minutes left, but Meg, I'm wondering, you've got some great demands here um, for the the group calling on the Queensland Government to immediately severe ties with Serco and cease the privatisation of prisoners in Queensland. And you also, as you've just explained... You work in solidarity with women currently in prison on bail and who have previously been incarcerated. And you believe that the Queensland Government should be investing in diversionary programs, housing, health and education.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose it's probably important for me to mention too, though, um, that a lot of women are um, willing to be transferred to Gatton, um, you know, because Brisbane Brisbane Women's is at 200% capacity. So, and it's been overcrowded for a long, long time, Um, you know, and we can understand their Of course. ..them wanting to move, but um, that, you know, it's not necessary for a new prison to open up if they just address some of these short, like, the failings of the system in terms of, like, getting people out on bail and, you know, getting that process started. I think they could reduce the numbers dramatically.
1: Absolutely. Meg, so it was yeah, it great. It's
3: important to mention that.
1: It is important. It's so good to have you on. Is it okay if we call you again to come back on sometime in a month's time?
3: Yeah, yeah, I'd love that. Um, yeah, that'd be good. It'd be great. I might do a shout-out to, Yep, go. like, for our, um, our CHUFT fund that's up and running at the moment. It's, like, it's solely for um, accommodation, so women are eligible for bail.
1: Okay, and what do you need to do to, to donate to that fund, just very quickly?
3: Um, the link's just up on our Facebook, No Gatton Women's Prison. Fantastic. Um, we don't have a website or anything else like that yet. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's our, that's our number one priority at the moment is trying to fund that support, to get women out. Mm.
1: Good on you, Meg. Well, thanks so much and uh, also a shout-out to the Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance as well. Yeah,
3: yep, yeah, deadly yeah, definitely worth it. Deadly. Like everyone's doing around the country. Yep. yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on.
1: Thanks so much. Take care and we'll have you back soon. Thanks, Meg. I, okay, cool. Okay, bye. Right,
3: bye-bye.
1: And that was Meg, Aboriginal activist from Queensland, um, speaking about Gayton, which is... No Gayton, sorry, which is a, a group that is trying to stop the expansion of women's prisons. We're going to be speaking shortly with Lucy Honan. From the Refugee Action Collective, but first I'm going to put on um, an announcement and a song.
2: you can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history on sale for just
3: $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now.
1: And you're back with the Doing Time Show and that was actually Kev Carmody and it was called Shall Not Be Moved. It's approximately 4.31 and we're going to be speaking shortly with Lucy Honan from the Refugee Ac- Action Collective. And before we actually speak with her, I wanted and I'll quickly advertise the public meeting that we're going to be talking to her about and then I'll I'll do it again at the end. So on September the 22nd, it's a public meeting And I will check um, pronunciation with Lucy in a sec. Um, Don't Deport Hu Yen. And as I said, it's uh, hosted by the Refugee Action Collective. And this meeting is on Saturday, September the 22nd at 2pm to 5pm. And it's at Footscray Community Arts Centre, Victoria, Australia. And the speakers um, include Paul Lee, which is Huyn's husband, Isabella's father, Hung Trung Greens in M- MLC for Western Melbourne. And basically, just very quickly, the Vietnamese asylum seeker, Hu Yuen, is, a- is facing deportation and indefinite separation from her baby, Isabella, and husband, Paul. And Hu is now in Mita Detention Centre with her daughter. And there are no legal barriers to her deportation. Hello, Lucy. Welcome to the program.
0: Hi, Marissa.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you. Now, you probably just heard me advertising the meeting and talking a little bit about what's been going on. Is what's the pronunciation like here? How do you pronounce it? Hwin. Hwin. That's it. Yes, that's right. Excuse me. Okay, so that's Hwin. Um, so, what's happening with with Hwin, um, Lucy? And can you talk to us just about a bit about the background and why you're holding the meeting?
0: Sure. Okay, so um, Huynh is a Vietnamese asylum seeker. She came to Australia um, fleeing persecution uh, in Vietnam in 2011. Um, People might know that Catholics are still uh, very seriously persecuted, particularly in some um, provinces in Vietnam. Uh, And Huynh fled that persecution as have quite a few um a few Catholic Vietnamese people over the last couple of years. She came in two thousand and eleven, um, she was in detention for quite a long time, um and a long series of different situations. She was transferred between detention centres. Um, she actually fled to detention at one point because there were a group of Vietnamese asylum seekers get, uh, being prepared to be deported. The government was preparing to deport this group of people. So um, her and a group of um, Vietnamese asylum seekers fled and um, kind of dissolved into the community, if you like, um, where she's been living for a long time. And she's actually living in St Albans um, in Melbourne. Um, um and uh married her partner Paul last year and they had a beautiful daughter Isabella she's a um uh, gorgeous little girl um but when she was uh 7 or 8 months pregnant she was um picked up by the government they they um traced her down and took her back into detention um and Uh, they decided to deport her or attempted to deport her um, at eight months pregnant. Um, So they loaded her onto a plane ready to be taken to Vietnam Um, and it was just last minute action um, by a uh, very sympathetic worker who just basically said, this is not not on, you can't do this Mm -hmm. Um, and she was loaded off the plane, taken back into Broadmeadows Detention Centre. She's since had the baby Isabella, um, but Paul and her are separated indefinitely. It was their actually their their wedding anniversary yesterday. Um, Paul has to visit. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have to, but he he can only visit yeah. um, after work every day. Um, he can't spend any private time with his wife and his daughter and get to know his daughter. Um, and Isabella and twin are. Are really suffering in detention, um, as you can imagine. It is no place for a baby, and it's no, no place for a mother. Um, Hwyn is really struggling, actually raising a daughter on her own. She's um, stuck in a in a you know, an accommodation centre on her own. She has no assistance at all. Twenty-four hours a day, it's just her and Isabella. And while she has guards watching her twenty-four hours a day, those guards are not allowed to help her. So, for example, when she has a shower, you know, they're not they're not offering to help hold Isabella. You know, she's she's got to strap her into the stroller. Um, it's just it's a that is absolutely you know, and, and disgraceful, Lucy. That know.
1: That's disgraceful. It
0: is. Um... It's 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 really it's really quite shocking, except that we know that this happens so often, um and this is this is just a kind of um normal result of Australia's brutal detention and deportation policy. So as you said earlier, um is facing deportation, Isabella is actually connected to her father's visa. Her father's on a four five seven visa. So when if and when Quinn is deported and there's no legal barrier for her not to be deported, um, she will be deported to Vietnam and unable to connect back with Paul and Isabella unless through very, very um, I don't know uh, miraculous circumstances, um, that will be that will be Australia's legacy in in just dis- destroying the connection in that family.
1: So, Mr Peter Dutton, the Minister for Home Affairs, he's got the power to grant her permanent protection, doesn't he?
0: He does, just as he... You know, it's like the situation with the au pairs and and the polo players. You know, he's able to intervene. It's, It's on him. Um... He could, with you know, his discretionary powers, say, you know what, this is this is a really ridiculous decision to put this woman in detention and deport her. I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say that she has permanent protection. And like, I mean, honestly, she has not even been allowed to make a statutory claim for refugee status. He has not even been to make that claim. She's been through the, you know, a very cursory process. Um that said whether that's assessed whether or not she has the right to make a refugee refugee claim so currently he he could he could even at a bare minimum lift that bar and he's not doing that he's yeah. he's looking at opers pairs and polo players.
1: Unbelievable. And obviously
0: trying to win win control of of, of the Prime Ministership. That's his other pet project at the moment. But <sighs> yeah, that's where things are.
1: And we won't even mention uh, the Prime Minister himself. That's yeah.
0: Well, he's got his own legacy of, of this horrendous stuff. He was the immigration minister before Dutton.
1: That's exactly right. So Lucy, just so that we can we can make it easier for listeners to understand all this all this paraphernalia and rigmarole because indeed that's what it is can we backtrack then so just to talk about the fact that in the first place this the this mother who in who's facing deportation so she was out in the community at first wasn't she
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yep. what visa was she on then
0: she wasn't on a visa. She wasn't on a visa. So she she didn't she didn't have a visa. What she, she came to Australia seeking asylum by boat. Um, and yeah, that's right by boat.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and as I said earlier, she she. Um, was quite terrified as 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 quite a few vietnamese people were at the time that they were going to be deported without even oh. um you know a blink of an eye and so they they fled um the detention centers and and dispersed into the community and she was actually you know like a a, a solid member of the community. She was working. She yeah. was paying taxes. She was. She had a relationship. She was a member of her church community. You know, she yeah. was a, a fantastic other normal member of the Vietnamese Australian community um, until you know she was detected by the department and they decided to punish her for for having sought asylum.
1: So she sought asylum and she 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 was allowed into the community initially.
0: Uh, let me think. She was uh, was she in the community when she disappeared? No, I I think she was. Okay, I'll have to check that one. Yeah, no, no, sure just yeah, just was. to know I was a bit about. Adelaide. A,
1: I was in Adelaide. That's all right. No, no, okay. So she, so when you mm. when you guys first heard of her, she she was in the community, and then the government, the department picked her up while she was pregnant, and that's
0: right.
1: And sure. tried to put her on the plane to deport her. Mhm. And then. She was placed in Meta and her husband was visiting her. He's submitted to drug tests, metal detectors and elaborate application forms to visit them after work each day. And so Isabella has, tell me if this is correct, has inherited her father's 457 visa status, which means, like he's Mauritius Chinese, I believe, isn't he? That's right, yep. And which means that if Huynh is is uh, deported... Then she is separated from her child and her husband indefinitely. That's correct. Yep. And at the moment she's is, she is rotting in mitter. Rotting in mitter. Um, while the department is yeah. is freeing um, polo players and na- and nannies. That's correct. So can you tell us a little bit about the aims and objectives of the meeting and and some of the speakers that are going to be happening and advertise the meeting for us?
0: I'd love to. So on the 22nd of September, we're having a meeting in Footscray at the Community Arts Centre and Paul, her husband and Isabella's dad, is going to speak. We're actually... um, One of the victories, and it is actually quite an important victory of the refugee movement, is that now it's legal for refugees to have... Um, phones and phone access uh, inside detention, which means that we're going to be able to Skype in when herself for this meeting. So she's going oh. to be able to contribute and hear and see that there are a lot of people supporting her, and hopefully there will be, you know, quite a few members of the community coming to coming to show their support for her. So um, those two will be speaking, as well as Hung Truong, um, who is at Greens. Um, MLC for um, Western Melbourne, I believe. Um, So she's going to be speaking in support of Quinn. um, And hopefully what we can do is get some discussion going, both about what they've been through and, you know, the situation that they face and get everybody clarified about the details of that and then talk about how we can build um support for this family so that it is just absolutely politically impossible for them to be deported. Um so part of the inspiration that I think we should draw on is the um the way that the Bill O'Wheeler community has really um galvanized around um copica, Tharanica, um, and the parents, the Tamil family um, from Biloela in Queensland. Um, I think that's the kind of thing that Melbourne and, and you know, people in Footscray and Albans, um, around Western Melbourne in particular, but anyone in Melbourne could be doing around um, around this family to show them our support and, and to really throw... Uh, throw Dutton on the back foot in terms of any efforts on his part to, to deport them. I think one aim is to ensure that they're not well that that Quinn is not deported, um, but an, a very very urgent aim is to get them out of detention. And in fact, all of all of those people in detention. But this family, I think, as a bit of an emblem. Um, they need to get out of detention immediately because it is so harmful for Isabella and twin mentally. Um, today is World Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. Um, unfortunately, RAC is holding a vigil this afternoon um, because three asylum seekers or refugees in the last week in Australia on the mainland um, so- committed suicide in the last two weeks Uh, we know that is a very very serious threat um, to refugees in Australia's current regime and we just we we need to put a stop to that so an urgent aim is to get them out of detention um, and to get them a permanent protection visa.
1: Absolutely can you just tell us the details of that event tonight please Lucy. The, the, the it's five thirty,
0: so get on the tram now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, we're having it at the state library, um, and it's it's a vigil um, for World Suicide Prevention Awareness Day, and. Um, Samantha Ratnam, leader of the Victorian Greens, and Nazir, uh, Nazir Yousafi, who's the president of the Victorian Afghan Association Network and Shamama Association, will be speaking. Um, and it's to um, commemorate and mourn, but also protest the situation that has led to the suicides of three um, three refugees in the last two weeks. Um, one of them is Fasanta. he's a 45-year-old Tamil asylum seeker. He died two days after attempting to take his own life in a Brisbane hospital. Um, another is Haviz, um, a 29-year-old asylum seeker who took his own life in Melbourne South East um, on the 25th of August last Saturday. Um, and the third man is uh, Sarawan, a 22-year-old Iraqi refugee who died after he attempted to take his own life at Yonga Hill Detention Centre. Those three people are victims of Australia's detention and refugee regime.
1: And our deepest, deepest condolences go to all their families, wherever they may be. Absolutely, yep. It's approximately 4.46. Now, just one last thing, Lucy. Um, just historically, and I think that the, the listeners do need to be aware of this, I... Um, that the Catholic asylum seekers who were returned to Vietnam from Indonesia last year, they were harassed and arrested and threatened with imprisonment, weren't they?
0: Yeah, that's right. It's not, it's not well known, but there is quite a serious persecution, um, beatings of Catholic priests. There's been church burnings um, in um, one of the provinces that um, is near where Huynh is from. There's, there are very serious um, yeah, uh, situations of persecution for Catholic asylum seekers and deportations that have happened have led to persecution, intense persecution, and, and physical violence against against Catholic Vietnamese asylum seekers. So Huyen has a very serious and real um, fear for her life in in being returned to Vietnam. She really does not want to go back. That's you know she said to me the other day that you know there's no there's no way that she would last a year in Mitre Detention Centre under the conditions that she's living in if she could go back to Vietnam and, you know, try and sort this out and, and find a new way to meet up with Paul somewhere in the world. She just she would do that in an instant, but that's not what she's facing. She's facing danger and, and, and she is fearful for her life. Um, so that, that asylum claim is a very, you know, I, I think people need to understand that that is a very serious claim.
1: And, y- you know, we... We need to actually, in some ways, when we're campaigning, you know, regardless of religion, whether it's Muslim, whether it's Catholic, she needs to stay here.
0: Absolutely, yeah. She, she very, needs very to true. stay
1: here, and you know, imagine that child not having access to food in there. How, who? How does she get all her, her milk, the formula?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's really distressing actually. Uh, um I I you know I was talking to um Quinn the other day and she was saying while she was pregnant she was just really really craving um Vietnamese soup. I always say it wrong but you know for um and she would um, Google yeah. pictures of, oh. her, like, Vietnamese food while she was pregnant because she was craving it so much and try and smell the screen because she was just so hungry. Yeah. Um, she's breastfeeding at the moment and she can't eat, often can't eat the food that is served in Lina. Oh, she yes. told me that there were maggots in it the other day. Um, and as a result, it's, you know, she she's feeling like uh, just... Uh, appalled like disgusted by the food I suppose that uh, so many people have commented on um and for a breastfeeding mother that's really dangerous so um she wants to be breastfeeding Isabella much more, but um she can't maintain you know that situation given um given the poor quality and quantity of the food that's available um so yeah that look they they are they are uh, you know, it is it is really not the way that any any individual or any mother should be treated, and any infant, that, for that matter. In, in, it, you know, they should have access to all the maternal health, all the food, all the supports. If she didn't want to breastfeed then the formula, whatever. Do you know what I mean? But that's not what's happening. It was only recently that she was allowed to attend, um, you know, a family a mother's group, for example, um, to connect with other young mums and and to you know cross reference. What their, what their experiences are and so on that, and that took enormous amount of pressure um, she hasn't been allowed out to baptise her child um, these things are, are, are insane she's just been left in a very isolated and dangerous situation
1: Oh my goodness Lucy we, we th- this stuff th- there's a lot that we need to change isn't there and 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 I There's I th- a lot.
0: <sighs> yeah and I really I think there's a lot I don't want to be too doom and gloom because I think that yeah. there are a lot of people who are are angry about this and also a lot of Vietnamese asylum seekers, well ex-asylum seekers, people who have sought sought refuge in Australia and um, understand what Quinn has been through in a very visceral way and um, hopefully we can tap into the Vietnamese community um, and the and the religious, you know, the Christian and yeah. Catholic um, communities and, and those different groups can can come out and show support and build the momentum that we need to, to save, um, to, to stop this situation from recurring.
1: Absolutely. And just one last question. I, I used to be, to, to go to Mita, I've been there a couple of times to visit, and we used to be allowed to bring food. I, I actually used to bring hot lentil soup into the facility. You're not allowed to do that anymore? I'll have to check. Not
0: allowed. No. Nothing. Unfortunately, you can't. No, it's so what? strict now. It's absolutely
1: ridiculous. what. Not even bread, yeah. bread and dips. You can't do that either. No,
0: no, we can't what? bring things in. You can't bring phones in. You can't bring. Um, you have to go through metal detectors. There are drug tests at
1: meetup in, in broad
0: Yeah, that's right. You what? have to go in. Um, put your whatever your applications in a week in advance. Oh
1: it's my really, god. It's really serious
0: security um and it really is just a performance of criminalization of these people it didn't as you say it didn't used to be like that at all just rock up and bring in and have a celebration and make it really relaxed and no it's not how it is anymore
1: oh well there's a lot to do lucy thank you so much for coming onto the program and i'm sorry i know i kept you here a bit longer but it was so important to have that extended discussion wasn't it
0: Thanks, Marissa. Yeah, it was great to talk to you.
1: Thanks a lot. And we'll we'll try and get someone out from 3CR to record, although I may speak to you off air about that. I mean, do we need to ask permission for that?
0: I think that'd be great. Hopefully see you there and all your listeners
1: too. Good on you. Thanks a lot, Lucy. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that was Lucy Honan from the Refugee Action Collective speaking about the very horrific horrific situation um, about... Vietnamese asylum seeker who was, who has been detained, in Mita with her baby. I had no idea that you weren't allowed to bring food in, and that you have to go through all these metal detectors. Yeah, so rock up to that meeting if you can in Footscray and show your support for this family. And her husband will be speaking there. It's approximately four fifty-three, and. I'm going to be playing you an announcement now um, from ISJA. The Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is continuing its Stop Failing Our Kids campaign until this year's Victorian state election. We're asking people to sign an online petition and to send postcards to Premier Daniel Andrews, calling for his government to abandon plans to build a $288 million youth prison at Cherry Creek. We want that money directed to culturally appropriate programs to address the underpinning issues rather than incarcerating children. For more information and to sign the petition, visit ISJA Melbourne's Facebook page. Postcards are available at 3CR and locations listed at isjamelbourne.com. Premier, it's time your government stop failing the kids. ISJA Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the doing Time show. And it's time that all politicians stop failing their kids, actually. We really need to to stir things up a bit more here. It's approximately 4.54. We've got about six minutes left of our show. I just wanted to um, advertise the meeting again, the public meeting for the Vietnamese asylum seeker. It's Saturday the 22nd of September from 2 to 5 p.m. That's three hours, and it's at Footscray Arts Centre, and it's forty five Morland Street, Footscray, Victoria, Australia, three zero one one. And the speakers for that meeting is Paul Lee, Gwen's husband, Isabella's father, Hung Trung Green's MLC for Western Melbourne and um, Vietnamese asylum seeker who is facing deportation and indefinite separation from her baby Isabella and husband Paul and she's now in Mita Detention Centre with her daughter and there are no legal barriers to her deportation. Her husband Paul, Isabella's father, must submit to drug tests, metal detectors and notoriously elaborate application forms to visit them after work each day. Isabella has inherited her father's 457 visa status. He is Mauritius Chinese, and if she is deported, Huyen would be indefinitely separated from her daughter and husband. Catholic asylum seekers who were returned to Vietnam from Indonesia last year were harassed, arrested and threatened with imprisonment. Government-led and government-sanctioned land confiscations, church burnings, violence and threats of torture continue against Catholics and other religious minorities in Vietnam. The UNHCR has just condemned Australia for separating a Sri Lankan refugee family where the father was deported, leaving the mother, an 11th month old baby, in Sydney. Minister for Home Affairs Peter Dutton has the power to grant her permanent protection so that she and Isabella are immediately released from detention and safely reunited in the community. It's approximately 4.56 and I've got about one minute before I'm out of here. And we'll be playing our theme song "Black Fella, White Fella" from the Rumpy Band with Beyond Zero up next. And just wanted to thank all our guests. Um, thank you very much to Sam from New South Wales, Meg from Queensland, and Lucy from Victoria um, for coming in and sharing some very, very important material today. And stay tuned for the Do and Time Show every Monday from four to five, um, from four to five p.m for the Do and Time show. And thanks to Rob for producing and for Peter for organising some of the interviews. Stay safe and look after each other. Going out now with our theme song.